Roland. Hello there. Hey, man. Andy and Zach back again after a little bit of a layoff and not for no reason. Guess who's back? Back, back again. again. <laughs> Shady's back. And with a new friend. So Andy, if you want to fill us in. Man, that was good. Thanks. God, you're good at this. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we had a baby. Congratulations. Thank you. We've been talking about having a baby all season long. And now the baby is here. She was born October 24th at 10.26 p.m. Almost 10.24 on 10.24. Almost. Should have been like, just push harder. Yeah. Um, And I I think I've told you, but I'll I'll tell our audience about that story. But yeah, she was born on 10.24. Her name is Summer. We did not know if she was going to be a boy or girl until all the nurses and the doctors were like, it's a girl. And um, I was, then I cut the umbilical cord. My hands were shaking wildly just because of the nerves of it all. Um, and yeah, and sh- so yeah, eight pounds, eight ounces. She's a little, our, our little ice cream baby because Megan ate a shitload of ice cream during pregnancy. So she's <laughs> an ice cream baby. Um, and yeah, so learning how to live with a baby right now. Yeah. And if you can't tell already, we're back at East Nashville Beer Works. Yep. And I just cannot express how uh, happy I am for you, Andy. Thanks, dude. You know, it's wild. We've been talking about it. I remember when you told me we were out at, uh, was it Edley's Barbecue? I think so. Right, and we had we had a nice little afternoon of barbecue and yeah. beers at that place around the corner. And Megan came out. And we hung out. Yeah, that was. We're that was like, a fun, we're pregnant. That was a fun afternoon, man. Yeah. So. And now she's here. And now she's here. So, um, you know, the lack of sleep is real. Okay. People, you know. Here's what I'm. Uh, what I've noted of the last couple. Of weeks. So I went back to work a week ago. Mm-hmm. Today was my. Um, start of my second week back at work and beforehand everybody was like you know huh, huh, lack of sleep duh, duh, duh. and in the back of my head like I've, I've gone through phases of like where i can't like insomnia or just like can't sleep mm. and i was like i'm probably gonna be fine like i've done it before i'll you know it doesn't feel good but i'll figure it out right it no it's hard it's mm. really hard so right now because Megan isn't back at work yet, so she hangs out with the baby while I'm at work, and then I come home and try to take over. And then what we're doing is I try to go to bed early, like 7, 30, 8 o'clock, and Megan stays up to like 9 or 10 to do the last feeding of the night. Mm. I wake up at 2.30, 1.30, 30, whatever time, to do the middle of the night feeding and put her back to bed, and then I get up at 4 again to go to get ready for work. It is really hard. It's yeah. not fun. Yeah. Um, but so far, knock on wood, she is great in the middle of the night feeding. She eats, we burp, we sit for 10 or 15 minutes just to like, so she, you don't lay her down if you're eating a bunch so she doesn't like vomit. Sit for a few minutes, she quiets down, put her in her crib, go back to bed. Right now, I've got it down to about 30 minutes, start to finish, mm. which is incredible, really that I can do it. Yeah. 
but yeah, it's it's a it's a trip, man. It's 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 a lot, but it's fun, and she's adorable. I mean, probably the cutest baby I've ever seen in my entire life. Of course, she could probably be the ugliest baby in the world, but like hormonally, you would not. I I wouldn't. It's like beer yeah. glasses, but like with hormones. Yeah. But I think objectively, she's the cutest baby in the whole You've world. You've got dad glasses. <laughs> no, I've I've seen pictures. She's she's gorgeous, she's man. She's really and cute, man. She comes from a strong gene pool, yeah. so I'm not surprised. She's got me wrapped around her finger already. Of course. So, um, yeah, no, so it's been a trip, um, and she's great. Um, the so the, the two things that I'll talk about at least with the hospital was the first one, Megan's pushing in delivery, and. She's been pushing for like an hour-ish at this point. Now, she had an epidural. Um, the average um, like delivery, pushing, whatever, is like 90 minutes. Mm. And so she's been pushing for about 60 minutes. And they, because she has an epidural, she can't feel as much. So, sure. she's, so she's like being coached up and like doing the thing. And um, anyway, they were like, she needs to have a little bit more leverage. So grab her foot. Like her legs are kind of propped up in the air. Oh. And I'm sitting on to the, to the right of her. So they, they were like, grab her foot so she has something to push against. Oh. And at first, that's what I did, is I just had her foot in my right hand and just added a little bit of pressure for her to push against. By the time Summer was delivered though, she was pushing so hard into my right hand, I had to take my left hand and grab the bed, like the handle of the bed, and hang on. And you know that scene in Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire, and he's at the webs, and he's yes. trying to stop the train? Yes. That's what, I was like shaking like oh that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and he's like, I've been training for this moment. <laughs> I thought that she was going to re-tear my bicep, actually. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> I seriously thought my bicep hurt so bad. I was like, I, I bet she's going to re-tear my bicep. Oh, no. So, but in, so baby was delivered. Everything was great. She's great. You know, she... They come in later. These are things that no one ever told me. They do a hearing test on her. So they like put these hearing, like almost like headphones on her. Uh And like, I don't know how it works. It's just a test. And there's a spinning wheel and there's like two bars and they're like competing or whatever. It's weird. Anyway, somebody who knows a little more about it could probably explain it to me. But the point is, they do this test for several minutes to check her hearing to make sure she's okay. And... It took like a few minutes and, and like the left ear like passed like that, but the right ear was like hanging on. And like, there's no way of knowing like if it's going well, it's like this bar has to reach a certain line by the time the wheel stops, it's, it was weird. But I'm sitting there like, come on, come on, come oh on. Oh my gosh. So there's that. And then the only other thing was, um, I, didn't get, I didn't get really emotional. I haven't gotten really emotional about the whole experience. Um, the only time I almost lost it was before we can be discharged from the hospital, we have to see the pediatrician one more time. Mm. Now, they've, the pediatricians, they have on-staff pediatricians. They've seen her a couple times by this point, but they have, they have to do one more check on her before we're allowed to leave. And the pediatrician comes in, and she's chit-chatting us, and then she sits down on the couch. And, like, we're exhausted. We haven't slept in days, and I was really anxious. And she sat down, and I was like, oh, no. Like, she just sat down. And uh, still chit-chatting us, and the whole time I'm like, just tell us what's wrong. Like, tell us what's going on. And she's like, she's perfect. 
in every way. It's like, well, you could have led with that. All uh, right, yeah. Next time, come in with that and bring pizza or something. Like, I don't know. So that was the only time I almost lost it, like yeah, emotionally, because yeah. it was just the whole thing was a trip. So anyway, it was it was fucking bananas, man. But it's cool. So yeah, now she's here. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Summer. I was speaking to our friend Jesse Riley, who of course had his baby, what, three, four weeks? It was about three or four weeks before we Before did. yours. They're, bo- they're both born in um, October though, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, the, whole, the whole idea of, <laughs> it's, I think I've mentioned this before, the fact that this baby um, at, you know, let's say that morning was breathing, well, was technically not breathing, right? Was just being fed via fluid. Amniotic fluid. fluid. However that works. I don't know. How does that work? I don't know. What are the lungs doing? Truthfully, I hadn't really thought about it that deeply until she was born. Now, immediately when she comes out, they do skin on skin with Megan for about 60 seconds. Now, is it back in the day I heard, is it, this, this sounds a little uh, traumatic, but they like, you know, they like spank the baby to get it to cry. And is that to like get it breathing? That, is that? I don't know why they but, did that. But your doctor did not spank no, your baby. No, they didn't do that. Okay. The, the only thing that they were concerned about doing was making sure that the baby got skin on skin with Megan immediately. Okay. Like, and, and then for about 60 seconds okay. of time. And then they whisked her away and they started immediately putting tubes in her nose and in her esophagus to like suck out all the like excess amniotic fluid. <laughs> and, she's, and she's dirty, like I say dirty, she's covered in, you know, yeah. whatever. And then she pooped immediately. Like she, they put her on this little like bed thing that like is warm while they're like cleaning her up and like sucking all the stuff out. She's crying. But that transition from like breathing amniotic fluid to air was that was also bananas like it's just a trip to watch that happen i hadn't given it much thought you go from a a liquid based you know you're like you're a tadpole yeah you're living under the water or you know however you want to consider that yeah you're not breathing air yeah and then you come out you poop for the first time yep because babies don't poop in that's that doesn't I don't think that so. doesn't happen i don't think so right i've never heard of such a thing i don't think that yeah poop, poop for the first time which that's even when you think about that that's pretty wild yeah it, and i watched it happen i saw her first poop so it the the baby is digesting nutrients obviously right and yeah that's that's pretty wild yeah that's pretty wild that you're growing and that you grow a digestive system, and that the digestive system digests nutrients through the umbilical cord because you're because you're not eating anything. Yep. So it's going through the umbilical cord directly into the intestine. I guess. I, you know, when you think about it, where does the umbilical cord go? This, this, somebody's going to be listening to this and be like, oh my God, open an anatomy book. <laughs> these, 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 these boneheads. I mean, yeah. yeah, you think about it, it's like, okay, well, nutrients go through the 
umbilical cord, right? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. But the umbilical uh, well, cord has also, to go into... And also through around the placenta or in through the placenta. Because the placenta acts as like a shield for like certain toxins. The only reason I know this is because there are a certain subgroup of people who like to eat their placenta, take it oh, home yeah, with them and sure. cook it and eat it. I read that that's ill-advised because the placenta acts as a shield for toxins. So, oh, so you just be you're full just like, of lead. Yeah, it'd be like drinking your own urine for the fun of it. It's like, mm. there's a reason why it's urine. It's, right. the, it's the waste product. Right. So anyway, you know, people can do whatever they want to do. We did not do that. Um, but yeah, it's it's... It's nuts. And, the you know, I guess because the only thing I had to go on was the movies. I always saw sure. the umbilical cord being kind of, like, really squishy, like, easy to cut. It's not. Mm. It's very sinewy. It took a couple, you know, squeezes on those scissors to cut through. Wow. It was, t- it was really tough, which makes sense, intuitive sense, because you're like, oh, yeah, it's, it needs to be tough because it's supplying all the energy demands for a growing baby. Yeah. But cutting through it was like, have you ever cut like stems on flowers? Sure, yeah. It was kind of like that, like that kind of toughness. So it took a few. It took a couple little, yeah. yeah. It was wild. And the whole time <laughs> I was shaking and I thought I was going to, um, I thought I was going to cut the doctor's hand because she had right. her hand really close. Yeah. So. So I was, I was talking to uh, Jesse Riley the other day and he was sharing with me, you know, his new dad adventures yep excitements and and tribulations uh and, you know something that he said that's another trip that you know you never think about is uh your baby doesn't even need water for so many months it's milk only well you know there's probably water in that milk well sh- obviously yeah but you know you think about I don't know. That's just another one of those funny things that you know I've never, never even considered. Well, the fact that she can be sustained. So we formula feed, and the fact that she can be sustained on a powdered formula that we mix with water, yeah, for like all of her nutrient needs is kind of nuts. And even better about that is we have a. It's called a Brezza. It's like a Keurig for formula, and you literally just set however many ounces you want, and it mixes the the powdered formula with water like warm water and you can even set the temperature of the water instead of temperature of the water how many ounces you also have to set the entire device up for whatever formula product you're using mm. so you have to do a little bit of research like i'm using this formula the the system needs to be set on setting number four or whatever once you get it set up though it makes a bottle a warm bottle of formula in actually less time than a keurig wow. it takes about two seconds press a button it goes and it mixes it in and you have a bottle in about two seconds. I can do it one-handed, too. Well, I have to, because I have a baby in my arms half right. the time. So it's pretty phenomenal. Amazing. Yeah. So the technology we have. And we've got a baby camera thing. So, like, she's in her crib now. She's in the bassinet for a week. And we are like, we can't do this. So she's in the bassinet, which is a small little crib next to our bed. Now, I will say the hardest part the first week was, and I learned, Babies don't breathe normally. They do this weird thing where like they won't breathe for several seconds and then they go <laughs> like a panting kind yeah. of. It's yeah. A, it's not like a rhythmic breathing. So like I wouldn't hear her make a peep for like what felt like an eternity. And you don't want to freak out and wake them up because it's hard enough to get them to sleep anyway. So you have to just like chill 
<laughs> I have since grown out of this fear. Sure. And, and I so, think you're going to grow out of a lot of... Right. Yeah. Um, and, and she'll make some noises occasionally. And as long as she's not losing her mind, I'm like, I'm just glad she's making a little bit of noise. It's when they don't make any noise that you're like, wait a second. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so, but yeah, she's cute. Well, lots, lots to learn. Lots, lots to find out. Um, obviously, I'm talking out of school here, but, um, you know, it's my understanding that one of the, you know, unique things about human reproduction, as opposed to, like, other mammals where the offspring come out ready to roll within minutes, um, is that uh, we got to get these babies out fast because of the size of the head mm -hmm. and the, uh, you know, because we're so smart with our big old brains. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and so the rest of the body needs a lot of extra time to catch up and mm -hmm. to develop, as opposed to uh, a lot of other uh, mammals, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's wild, it's wild. It sounds, it sounds exciting, it sounds very trying. Yeah. What, I mean, outside of all the logistical things about taking care of a newborn baby. What's your take on this open-ended question of like, what is it like to be a dad? You know, it's the, the weirdest thing was going into it, I thought for sure there would be like this monumental shift in my perspective or my, how I felt or navigated the world. And aside from the fact that I have a, a very, very dependent new member of my family, I don't feel different at all, which is weird. I, w I thought I would have felt different, almost like I would have like grown up. I don't know, <laughs> for lack of a better word, I, I, but I don't feel any different. Sure. I, I, I literally don't. The only difference now is that we just have an additional massive responsibility. Mm. Um, there's, there's two things I'll comment about that. The first is, um, I'm not sure there will ever be that monumental shift and that might be a good thing. Because that because what I would like to do, what's really fun about this time is because she's a potato. She eats and she sleeps and she poops and she cries. So we can, Megan and I can establish like values that we want for our family. Like what do we want our family life to look like? I want to be physically active. I want to eat healthy. I want to, you know, go camping, be outdoorsy. Like these are things that I value as an individual now. And because I don't feel that much different, I feel like I can, I can try to steer us towards those values more right. easily. In other words, I was gonna do all those things already, and now I have another person that I can just fold into all that. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Um, the other is, at this point, and, and I've talked to a couple of my guy friend uh, dads, um, I was having a lot of difficulty after that first week feeling like an emotional connection with her. Mm. Um, it's weird, you know, Megan carried her for nine months. So her intimate emotional connection is always gonna be different than mine. But like, it almost felt like this weird disconnect. Almost mm. like it wasn't real or like, like she didn't like me or, right. some, or something. It was, right. It's weird, it's hard to explain. 
I've talked to a few of my guy friends, and, and a handful of them have all said, like, until they really start developing into, like, a little person, you're going to feel like that. It, even one of my friends who has two kids was like, for the first six months with the second kid, he didn't even try. He was like, <laughs> I just knew I wasn't going to feel that. Right. And so I just didn't even try for, like, six months. And then after that, like, we started see eye to eye and get along or whatever. So right. um, that's been diff- the first... First week was great. Second week was was hard. This week is feeling a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and that might be too, just like more time with her, like yeah. skin on skin, napping together. We we nap together for like four or five hours Friday afternoon. So like, yeah, it might just be that. But yeah. it, but it's been hard. Sure. It's been great, but hard. Yeah. So anyway. Well, I'm glad we have all that down on wax. Right down on down on a podcast. Yeah, you know, I'm eight, sure there'll be plenty of more stories. You know, years from now, you're gonna look back on this episode and think, "Oh, Andy." You know what is funny? How uh, naive know, you were. The and, and everyone tells me it only gets worse from here. So there's, oh. there's yeah, everyone's like, "Oh, it only gets worse." And I'm like, "Why didn't you tell me that before?" Um, you know, her or changing her diapers whenever she pukes. You know, all the gross things. She sneezed in my mouth. <laughs> I was giving her kisses and she sneezed right in my mouth. It's kind of cute. I don't know what it is. I think that's the hormones of being a dad or whatever. Like, it doesn't fade. I'm probably covered in feces right now. I don't know for sure, but I might be covered in feces. Right I now. would bet on it. And uh, it doesn't bother me. Like, yeah. I, you know, someone else's kid probably would bother me. Well, my sure. own, yeah, my own kid. I'm like, whatever. Yeah. Her, her poops are cute. Well, she's... Her dirty diapers are cute. Her vomit's cute. It's sort of cute. It's not that cute, but it's not that bad. Well, man, again, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to um, seeing how you navigate fatherhood and obviously be here as a resource for you guys as, be like, as much hey, man, as I can. We're going on a date night. Here's my baby. <laughs> oh, God. That's... Here's the diaper bag. That's a scary proposition. <laughs> Although, I don't know, maybe it'll be good practice. It'll be good practice for when I when I eventually have one of my own. There you go. Yeah. It's all good practice. So, how have your workouts been looking? So, subject matter of today's podcast is optimal training under suboptimal conditions. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, not bad. Um, all right, so she was born on a Monday. My first workout back in the gym was with you on Saturday. So okay. not even a full week off. Uh, well, maybe, you know, I guess technically it was a full week because I didn't work out Monday. We were at the hospital Monday morning. So we'll say a week off. And that workout, truthfully, because I was so sleep deprived for my own abilities was trash. Right. But I was glad to be there and doing the thing and like trying. Um, since then, at least for now, the last couple of weeks, have, the, the training's not been bad. Because um, I've been able to break away and go back to the gym and work out in the afternoons because I'm back at work. And I ha- like I'm busy at work, so I haven't been able to work out at, at, at my own gym for a while. All I'm trying to do in the gym right now, is sh- honestly, is show up. Let's, let's yeah. put it that way. I'm going to try to show up. And then while I'm there, like, see what I can do and like push it, but not, 
you know how like we tell our clients you should listen to your body and if something hurts or you don't feel great like let's dial it back a little bit i'm actually doing that for one you know what i love about gym five and all the machines uh-huh is um like let's let's take the hack squat for example now i love the hack squat just generally speaking yeah but because i feel like trash most of the time from lack of sleep um what i'm enjoying about the hack squat is its constraints right like with a, like I love front squatting, but front squatting would punch you in the mouth, right? Oh yeah. Like if you go heavy or head or mo- even moderate and with he- like high rep front squats, it'll punch you in the jaw. I feel like such trash that a front squat would be f- okay, but it would probably just grind me into the ground. Yeah. The hack squat is a great alternative because I can still get a squat variation in. Mm. And I don't have to worry about balancing the bar and working on my, you know, grip flexibility and you know getting ass to grass or if my back is gonna hurt or whatever uh, I'm eating okay we, we had a food train we've had a food train so people have been bringing us food and it's all been delicious food and then you know I do, I do like what everybody does when they're stressed or when they're tired like chips and salsa or hummus and pita chips or whatever so snacking so I guess this could be two prongs the, the first is um, choosing optimal training parameters under suboptimal conditions. Mm-hmm. And the other prong could be like grace and patience, mm. like not getting upset that I'm not eating a hundred percent of what I probably ought to be eating, not getting upset that my training is it, like as optimal as I'd love it to be. Like I would love to go into the gym and feel amazing and crush it. I'm, gr- I'm feeling good about being consistent right now. So like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of just where I'm at right now. Yeah. Well, that's great, man. Yeah. You know, every challenge, every life phase that we go through as coaches gives us more and more perspective and empathy for what the rest of our clients have had to go through. Right. I mean, how many parents have we trained? Oh, a billion. Yeah. I would say the majority of our clients are parents. Or, or even at least, grandparents. Or grandparents. Yeah, grandparents yeah. for that matter. Yeah. A, a theme that we've returned to over and over again is just how important it is to be realistic and have empathy for what real life is like for real people. Mm-hmm. And when you're a young hotshot trainer, you've got time on your side, you've got hormones on your side, you've got lack of responsibility on your side. You got energy. Right. I mean, I think about my early 20s, going to bed at two in the morning, being at work at six in the morning and staying out and like partying until till eight in the next day, like, holy hell. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's just one of the things that keeps me like working as hard and as consistent as I do because I've just heard it said in multiple different ways like when you're 30 think back to when you're 20 how much more energy did you have how much more how much more time did you have etc etc and then when you're 40 you're gonna say think back to when you were 30 think back to how much more time you had how much more energy had blah right. blah blah and then probably when you're 50 you're gonna say think back to when you were 40 blah blah you know so you see where this is going so our lives aren't getting any easier in a certain way 
Right. In a certain way. So we must carpe diem. We must seize every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and um, oh, I had, had a line of thought now, clearly. <laughs> My lack of sleep is catching up to me. But um, Yeah, you don't have much wiggle room, right? In terms of your cognitive ability? No, and that's what's wild to me. It, like Plus we're drinking? Well, there's that. Yeah, there's that. But, like... And, and people told me that too. They're like, "Oh, you know, it's gonna, like your memory's gonna be shot or whatever." It really is. Like Dad my, brain. My, it, my cognitive abilities, my memory is like terrible, and, and probably because of the lack of sleep, but also in part because if I forget how terrible raising an infant is right now, then I'll have another one, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then be thrust back into it and be like, "Oh wait, yeah, this is not fun. It's cute, but it's not fun." Yeah. Um, but yeah, and there's something to be said for like autopilot. And mm. like, and I think that's the beauty of, you know, we often talk about like work, at, we, and we've talked about this a few times on this podcast, but we often talk about like, you know, killer workouts where like we were just on our game, like slept well, ate well, felt good, felt recovered, just crushed it. Just came in like, Destroyed. Throwing elbows and doing high kicks or whatever. I don't know. Anyway, um, that's not that's the like the exception to the rule. More often than not, your workouts are gonna probably feel fine. You'll have a great one here and there, and you'll have a trash one here and there. But the the vast majority of your training sessions are gonna be good, not great, just good. good. Yeah. Um. And that's sort of the point is like because I've established this habit and because I'm a seasoned coach and because I'm a seasoned, more seasoned trainee, it's not easy, but it's easy for me to walk into gym five and be like, you know what? I'm going to do two pushes, two pulls, yep. three sets each. So six sets, push, six sets, pull. I'm going to rest as needed and I'm going to leave. And like just showing up and putting in a little bit of effort. I know it's not my best showing, but I'm there and I'm doing the thing. Yep. So, you know, I think you and I talk about this with our clients all the time. And I think it's important to like live it and be like, yeah, these are not gonna be stellar. Like this is not an Instagram story workout. It's just punching the clock. That being said, we worked out last weekend and you were still smoking me on deadlifts. I was doing okay on those deadlifts. I felt, I surprisingly felt good in my back, did not hurt, which is weird. And you posted your last set on Instagram. So I that kind of was an Instagram worthy workout. Yeah. I was just impressed that I was able to pull what I did, but, um, but most of my workouts are not bad. And also I had a lot of sushi the night before, so I was carb loaded. There you go. I was ready to go. There you go. And also it was my first uninterrupted night of sleep so right now during the week i do the middle of the night feeding but megan gave me a full night sleep friday mm. night so that's that's where i channeled that power nice. um but i think this plays into you know going into the holidays like thanksgiving mm. christmas new year's and like it being colder so like most people are probably going to be less active because it's cold out like nobody yep. wants to be outside so you know, I, I sent an email to all my clients last week or so. I don't remember, but 
And I was like, look, let's just cruise for the next however many, I guess Thanksgiving is a week from, by the time this airs, Thanksgiving will be less than a week away. Mm-hmm. So the point is, let's let's do the thing between now and then. Like, let's hit our workouts, eat well, get some sleep, do whatever, enjoy ourselves on Thanksgiving, and then the following week, let's get back on track. Yeah. And same with Christmas and New Year's. There's nothing inherently wrong with enjoying family time, friend time, coworkers, having drinks and celebrating. Like, yeah. no one's gonna sit there and be like, "Yeah, but what about your bench press?" <laughs> like, who gives a shit? At the end of your life, you're going to be like, but I could have maybe benched more that one time, but I instead went out with friends on Christmas or whatever. You know, no one's going to say that. Right. Enjoy the holidays, but in the time between now and then, let's just do the thing. Yeah. Get the workouts, eat well, sleep well, enjoy ourselves, and then pick right back up again and get back to work. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I was even thinking... You know, I myself am wrapping up kind of essentially what's been like a five-month-ish like block of like training that's been like around like the same like similar kind of like method and style. And I've been having great success, great results, getting stronger, feeling really good. And I'm about two weeks from like finishing this big block and on the one hand if it's not broke don't fix it right on the other hand pivot before you get sick of something okay so something that i that i always try to time and i I usually do a pretty good job at this is i usually try to i try to time the end of like a a major training block like around Thanksgiving. So usually by the time I'm like in the midst of summer, I kind of have, you know, a three or four month like idea of what I want to do through the rest of the year. Right. And I, I try to wrap it up around, you know, um, you know, the outset of the, of the holiday season. So, you know, I myself kind of take this time to like, okay, hit it hard, use Thanksgiving or right after Thanksgiving as like kind of like an ending point, like like an end of the year before the actual end of the year, like the training year ends early. And then I usually just mess around all of December. Um, and I try to meditate and journal on what went well this year, what, you know, anticipating what I want to do next year. Hmm. You know, what are, what are my upcoming goals? And not doing, you know, and giving yourself that time, that essentially that whole month to just kind of just mess around in the gym mm-hmm. and just think about, okay, maybe kind of resensitize yourself to, to training. So like not go like crazy hard mm-hmm. um, and maybe resensitize your, your appetite for training because that's a whole nother conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, just every now and then, you just, you lose your edge, you lose your appetite for, for training. And that's what vacations are sometimes good for, yep. because they take you out of the gym. That's what other life events are good for. They take you out of the gym, and that resensitizes your, your appetite. So I try to keep that in mind around the, 
Thanksgiving, Christmas season. I try to end a block early um, or early in the year, so to speak, mess around all of December, and then by the time that January hits, I'm, I'm hungry, I have a new perspective, a renewed um, idea of what I want to accomplish for the year, that kind of thing. So maybe, uh, maybe next podcast, we'll chat a little bit about how I anticipate that's going to look for me, because I've, I've started giving it some thought. Oh, nice. I love yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. How are we doing on time right now? Um, we're about 40 minutes. Okay. So we can yeah. talk a few more. I just didn't want to be like, sounds great. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. No, it's all good. Okay. That's yeah. cool. All right. So jot it down, because I'm, I'm curious to... Because I am not somebody who, I, I don't think of like 2023 20, in those terms. Mm. Um, so I'm curious, like, it's kind of curious how your brain works with all that. Yeah. I've never been a New Year's resolutioner. I've never, but maybe, you know, maybe you'll inspire me. Well. I'm, I'm not super duper big on like the New Year's resolution thing either. I kind of am continually chipping away at like the North Star goal. Okay. Um, but I also do like the, like the challenge or, or the whole idea of like, okay, Zach on January 1st has grand dreams for Zach on New Year's Eve. Okay. You know what I mean? So when I, when I look back on, because I, I did jot down a few things I had in mind for my goals for this year. And overall, I have accomplished the action part of my goals. Right. I, I cannot say that I've accomplished the results that I was... The desired result. The desired result. Okay. Um, but that's fine because I'm on the path of action. Right. Well, and also... And a lot of those goals have pivoted. Right. Well, and also it's feedback one way or another. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And honestly, that's kind of one of the things I'm kind of curious to pick Dan John's brain about when he's here mm-hmm. is I, I kind of want to have some conversations around goal setting, goal achievement, but but I don't want to ask the stereotypical questions mm. that he's probably heard a million times that like that there's like kind of boilerplate answers to. Um, so I'm even thinking like right now, how can I frame the questions or the conversations that I'm hoping to have with him in a way that's like most illuminating and productive, Hmm. you know? Because we're talking about a guy who has accomplished a lot and, I mean, to be fair, has accomplished a lot professionally late in life. Right. Which I find very fascinating. Hmm. Because a lot of times, you know, we think, you know, by the time you know, by the time you're in your 60s, you're retiring, you're winding down, but he's as popular as ever. Right. You know, so now granted, obviously the internet is, in the grand scheme of things, a 
new thing, and he hangs his hat a lot on on that. But um, just uh, just his his mindset. I'm I'm interested in in getting a a clearer picture with, and also selfishly, like kind of asking, you know, more selfish, nuanced questions that will be more directly applicable to me. Sure. You know? So all of that is starting to kind of percolate in my in my brain here as we wind down the, the year. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I hope to be in attendance so I can hear these questions and answers. When is uh, Liftapalooza again? January 28th and 29th. And where are you? Did you announce the hosting location? On this podcast, I don't think so, because we haven't had a show in about a month. Right. So we officially have uh, Fit Factory Nashville. Oh, nice. That'll be great. Yep. Booked for the whole weekend. That's great. That's yep. right. I think you, off air, I think you had told me that you would talk, we're talking about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, a great facility, big place, right, right outside of downtown, lots of equipment, uh, Lots of parking, um, locker rooms, bathrooms. We're gonna have uh, like whiteboard, um, TV screens. Some Dan, chalk talk. Some chalk talk. I think Dan is gonna do um, you know some lecture material, so that'll be interesting. Um, yeah, so it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a really fun time. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. See, summer will be like. Four months old, so we should be in a good place by then. I think by the end of Jan- end of January. Yeah, it should be f- right. October, November, December. Three months old. Three months. Yeah. Yeah, close enough. <laughs> close oh, enough. Yeah, my brain is toast. Um, well, very cool. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I'm intrigued about this conversation we're going to have next week because I've never been like a goal-setting person. Mm. I've never been like a like a vision person. Like, uh, you remember my friend Brian we had on the podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. Brian from Motive. Yes. So Shouts he, out. He, yeah, Brian from Motive. So if you're ever in Grand Rapids, Michigan, or now in Austin, Texas, look out for Motive Training in my buddy Brian. His whole goal when he started Motive, like like very first day, was for it to grow into what it's growing into. Mm. I never had a long-term vision for my business. Now, this is a conversation topic that I bring up with my the university students when I do my um, guest lectures, which I had to cancel. I was supposed to do one this Friday, but I'm just between the baby and work, and like coming back to work, it's just too much which I feel bad about because it'll be my first time I've missed in like five or six years. But mm. springtime, I'll, I'll be back. But point is, um, I bring up this subject of like, on the one hand, I think having some goals is great because it helps dictate how you're going to run your business, how you, how you want to run your life, how you want to run your training, right? Having a, like a, an end goal answers questions that we need to know of what's important. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I, like maybe I'm just justifying my own like thought process. Sometimes like just living with it and like going with the flow, it sort of fleshes itself out. Yeah. 
So like, it, it, not with the training part, because I don't think that's necessarily like, I think showing up to the gym and doing anything is better than nothing, but I think having a goal really does help make decisions. As far as my own business is concerned though, like branding, what I want it to look like, how I want it to flow, like what we do, what we stand for, that's been an organic, you know, like kind of a, a, a small house plant that I've just been like cultivating. And I don't know, maybe it was a plant, like in this like weird example, I didn't know what the plant was or what it could be. I just nurtured it. Yeah. And now I'm seeing it sort of grow into its own. And, and for business, I think for me, that's been really good because I, I, I think I'm the type of person that likes to like control things, like mm -hmm. have a handle on things. Sidebar with the baby, this is what makes it difficult because when she's been fed and we've changed her diaper and you know we've consoled her and she's still crying, I get really frustrated because like, I, like I'm a solutions person, like, mm -hmm. I, I, and, and I don't have any, I'm out of answers. I don't, I don't know. And so I get flustered in the moment. With my business, I've allowed it to kind of like, kind of unravel on its own. And what I'm finding is like the branding and the image and the style is all kind of organically growing into its own instead of trying to force it. Yeah. And I think about this with my students because if you had asked me 10 years ago what my niche was, what my business was, who, like, what my values were, I think that would have been me trying to impose a sort of, um, for lack of a better word, blinders on my ultimate goal. I think that makes it difficult because then you're like, well, this is what I always wanted it to be, so I can't explore these other options that it could be. Yeah take the blinders off and just go with the flow of it and to see what happens and see how it organically evolves. And, and so far it's worked out for me. Again, I think with training, you can't really do that in business and maybe other parts of your life. All that is, that's the too long, didn't read version of, I am very much more uh, like flow with it, kind of see what happens kind of guy. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on what you had envisioned, Zach, from January 1st of 2022 to where you're at now and then what your goals are for 2023 and what you hope to accomplish by the end of it. Because you and I, I think you and I think envision slightly differently and I think that's yeah. cool. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think you actually hit on one of the most important points when you were talking about raising your new family, which is being values directed. Right. Like, you have the opportunity to establish what you want to stand for. Mm -hmm. And if your values directed, that, that is the most important thing. Right. And there's actually two, two books that I think you have no time to read. <laughs> but at some point, maybe off air, I'll give you the synopsis of. Um, one is Principles by Ray Dalio. I've read, uh, I've read part of it, but yes. Yeah, yeah, relatively new book. Yep. But essentially, you know, this is like one of the richest guys in the world. He's basically retired, but now he spends his time like as like the sage old grandfather being like, this is where the world is going. These are the things you need to be careful about. So it's actually interesting following his 
content on uh, on Instagram because mm. he's kind of like uh, he, he, he you know he's he made all the money he could possibly want and he's retired so like the things that he's saying this is like one of the few resources where you're like okay there's no there's no shady bias here right it's like the things that this guy is saying is based on decades and decades and decades of trial and error massive success failure even more massive success and he has i mean maybe he wants to sell a book but you know that's that's like it so so being values driven or or principles driven mm -hmm. i think is huge so like ray dalio like used to run the biggest hedge fund in the world but when you read his book it's not about money it's not about investments it's about communication mm -hmm. it's about identifying cognitive biases in yourself and in other people and it's like, whoa, if you can really master those things, no matter what you do, it's, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna find smashing success. Right. So that's a big part of it. And that's something that I think that you nail is like, you know what you stand for and you just, you operate by your own principles and your own values. And that's what's made your training and your training space successful and unique. There's another book that I actually need to revisit because I kind of skimmed through it a little fast the first time I read it. Um, and it's a little dense, but it's called Why Greatness Cannot Be Planned. Hmm. And just there in the title, right. I think is all <laughs> you really need to know and hopefully is enough to whet Andy's appetite. Okay. But it's, it's really about well, without repeating the title of the book, it's about the fallacy of like goal setting and goal achievement and the opportunities of um, what the authors might call novelty search. Mm. So just exploring an environment, an idea, versus being specifically goal-directed. And I'm, there's tons more examples, but the one example that comes to me off the top of my head that illustrates this point in the book, granted, I think this book is, uh, it might be a little dated. Uh, I wanna say it's more than 10 years old, but there was an, uh, there was like, uh, I think these, these researchers pitted these two AI systems um, against each other to solve a maze, mm. to find their way through a maze. This one AI system was set up to, with, or I should say, with the goal of finding its way through the maze. Mm -hmm. This other AI system was set up with the priority of for lack of a better term, exploring the space. Hmm. Explore the space, novelty search. And what they found was, is that the AI system that did not actually have the directive to solve the maze, solved it faster hmm. by simply exploring. Interesting. 
granted, that's a simplified example, but you'll find you'll find a lot more in that in that book. Why greatness cannot be planned. Um, and there's also another example, um, uh, maybe from the world of psychology. I'm not not totally sure, but I think they. Uh, I think researchers took a group of maybe art students, I think like relatively, you know, like novice art students, and one group, they said, they gave them the, the goal, make, I, th I think they were making masks, um, you know, uh, this was before COVID times, so it was like uh, maybe a tribal mask or a, maybe a Halloween mask of some kind, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. But they took these art students and on one group they said, you have you know, four hours to make the best mask you can, right? And in very much the same way that we, Thank you. That we found from uh, the AI systems from Why Greatness Cannot Be Planned, they took another group of students and they said, make as many masks as you can. Like just, just keep, just keep being productive. Hmm. Don't worry about the outcome. Just keep being productive. And what they found was, is that the end of the afternoon, at the end of, you know, four, you know, I think four to six hours, the group that was tasked with making the best product was, I mean, maybe this is subjective because we're talking about art, mm -hmm. was far outgunned by the group whose task was to simply make as much as they could. And I think what that shows is failing fast, making lots of little mistakes, or maybe mistakes isn't even like the word for it, continuing to just bump up against different things mm -hmm. and just find your spot, find your area, find new opportunities, and just go where you find more and more success hmm. is, is the idea. So I'm probably not doing a great job at expressing the details behind these studies. Again, I would refer people to those, to those books. But the underlying idea remains, which is exactly what you were saying. Mm -hmm. If you are beholden to coordinates, if you deviate from those coordinates a degree, you've failed or, or you're heading in the wrong direction. Whereas if you're directed by action, there's no judgment on what's right or wrong. Your only goal is to just do, stay in the moment, keep moving, operate via principles, you're gonna find your, your lane. You know, in the case of the AI systems, you're gonna find your way through the maze. Mm -hmm. In the case of the art students, you're gonna find, you know, a, a, a great, you're gonna find yourself creating a great piece of art. And so I try to hold those ideas very much in mind when it comes to goal setting. Mm. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. I have to check out the, the what's the name of the second book? Why Greatness Cannot Be Planned. Okay. Yeah. 
It's actually interesting. The cover of the book is a butterfly that was drawn by artificial intelligence. Oh, nice. So a lot, I, I could be wrong, but I think a lot of the book revolves around AI technology. Mm. So um, if memory serves me right, granted, it's, it's been a little while, but you know, these researchers will program an AI to just generate patterns. And, you know, maybe the AI is programmed to like understand what a aesthetically pleasing pattern might be to the human eye, but it just, it just churns stuff out. And these days, if you Google AI generated art, you'll see all kinds of wild stuff. Right. Um, but again, I think this book is, I think came out in the early 2000s or the, the mid 2000s. Um, and, and again, like what these researchers find is you just program an AI to just keep churning stuff out and eventually it settles on these amazing images. Right. And so, it, so then you almost start to think like, okay, how, how, how is mother nature being reflected in what we're seeing in AI? Mm -hmm. Well, and then that takes you down a whole nother rabbit <laughs> hole, okay? So, yeah, man. So I, I think there's, I think there's a, a great middle ground between being like goal-oriented, goal-directed, while also being open to what reality is showing you. Mm. Open to feedback from reality. Yeah. You know? You never, uh, I mean, I think a good rule of thumb that you could probably make for just about anything in life is uh, don't make the same mistake twice. <laughs> and like, honestly, no matter what you do, if you don't make the same mistake twice, you'll probably find yourself in a pretty good place. I think that's a good spot to end on. This has been the A to Z No BS Show. Andy, congratulations. Thank you. Could not be more happy for you and Megan. Episode 91, thank you listeners for tuning in. All the best in your training and your life, no matter what stage you might find yourself in. And we will see you next time. <laughs> Goodbye.